Good morning and welcome to Local Matters. This is Ben Rogers and delighted to have good friend in and uh, Senator Paul Bailey. Senator, welcome and good morning. Hey, good morning, Ben. Glad to be here. Thanks for being here. I know you've been on, but I haven't had you on in months, and that that's uh, uh, scheduling conflicts with both of us, and just always had good to have you on at least twice, three times a year, and haven't really talked about the last session that we that you just got out of back in April. And we'll get to some of that. Uh, I do want to just touch briefly on what's coming up a little bit, uh, I guess, shortly for you all that were at least we we think um it's coming up the governor talked about when y'all adjourned back in april of of having a special session i guess sometime in august we're in july uh so do you you foresee a special session coming i know the official call hasn't come but well you're exactly right the governor the governor at the end of our regular session in april uh, had made the comment that he was going to call the legislature back in to session in a special called session which basically means that the um, the caption or what the special session would be would be very narrow. In other words, you can only have legislation pertaining to the call of that uh, special session. He talked about it in April. I know that he's been meeting with a lot of legislators. I haven't uh, had the opportunity to meet with him just yet. I'm actually scheduled to meet with him at the end of July to discuss the special session. But I think it's uh, mixed. I think there's a lot of legislators that uh, think that we should wait until just January, a regular session, to go back in. And so we'll have a lot of time to discuss what he may issue as the call for a special session. Obviously, there's a lot of discussion about red flag laws, um, executive protection orders. And so um, majority of the um, legislators that I've spoken to are opposed to red flag laws and ERPOs as executive protection orders are considered. But we also realize that there's a mental health crisis that uh, we're dealing with because a lot of these people that that are uh, creating these crimes are uh, they have uh, a mental health issue. So we've got to figure out how we address the mental health issue. Also, there's some loopholes relative to the reporting of uh, information to law enforcement when someone is threatening to do bodily harm to themselves or to uh, someone else. There's a disconnect between local law enforcement and and actually reporting that on up into the TBI and maybe even into an FBI database. So a lot of times local law enforcement has interaction with an individual that's maybe threatening to do harm to themselves or to others, but uh, it's never entered into a statewide or a national database. And so um, I think there's a little bit of disconnect there that needs to be um, um, closed as far as a loophole just so that you know someone leaves the Cookville area and they go to Lebanon um, if they're pulled over by law enforcement because they'll have a record there of, of, of maybe what kind of issues that they've been having. Something so, alerts that officer that this person has a history of a mental exactly. health issue or yeah. harm issue, something harm against another person themselves, and it's th- so they're aware, right? It's just so that they're aware and just so that the interdiction that's uh, maybe taking place that they can uh, – uh, you know, if they need to do further investigation while they're talking with that person, they can just to make sure that they're not driving through Wilson County on their way to Nashville to do harm to mm-hmm. others. And just I think there's just several things that we can we can address without uh, infringing upon uh, an individual's rights. The mental health issue is is huge and been y'all been talking about it and trying to work on it for a while and i don't know how many mental health hospitals we have in tennessee i know they're they're all full well they're full and and just to be honest with you ben we have not 
uh, as a state uh, provided the resources that are needed for our uh, mental health institutions. And we actually allowed some of these places to close in the last several years. We've got to do a better job of getting uh, these uh, facilities open back up so that they can serve the needs of the the public that truly need them. Yeah, and I think y'all, I, I applaud y'all's effort. I think you're, it's not something y'all have ignored and you're continuing to work on. You think, is that something that maybe would come up in special session is the mental health issue? Yeah, absolutely. I know that uh, Speaker Cameron Sexton, he this is one of the issues that he's talking about is that we've got to address the mental health aspect of, of those individuals that are wanting to again, hurt someone or hurt themselves. Also, uh, there's, um, you know, now if you're a juvenile and you've been convicted of a, of a major crime using a firearm, uh, you're basically your record is expunged once you become an adult. Uh, there's some consideration there that maybe we need to uh, carry that forward a few years into your adult life. And if you do not cr- uh, commit any other serious crimes with a firearm, that then it's expunged. But it's not immediately expunged once you um, become uh, over the age of 18. Well, I'm going to brag on you. Uh, every time I call, you pick up. And <laughs> and the last time I called you, other than having you on here, was to help a county of mine. Uh, and without getting into great detail, it's a county you don't even serve. It's not in your district. And I called and said, hey, they're having some issues getting some grant money. They were awarded two or three years ago for a fire truck. And I gave you the story and gave you the details. And and within 24 hours, you had to answer for me. And within a matter of days, they had the money from the state. And so I I appreciate what you do. Um, And I told you when I called you, it was a Friday afternoon. It was Friday evening, about 530. And I said, Senator, I'm sorry. It's Friday at 5:30. You're probably on your way to show a horse or or do something <laughs> with your family. But I said I, I don't who I don't know who else to go to. You're the number one person I thought of. This is not your district, but what can we do? And you were on it, and within uh, um, hours you were responded. So thank you for picking up you your bet. phone. Well, that's what I'm here to do. And you know, I yes, I serve the 15th Senate District, which in, encompasses six wonderful counties. But you know, when when we have friends that call. Um, I'm I'm more than happy to assist. Well, Jimmy Johnson was here last week, and um, he had bragged on you on the on the hospital. You know, the, yes, sir. And so he bragged on you there. I mean, and Fentress is not your district. Exactly, it's Ken Yeagers and yes, uh, y'all all work together. It's not about. And I'm not a legislator, but from what my experience in the last 18 and a half years in government is, it's not all about who can pass the most bills. It's all about working together to see who the, the what the General Assembly can do together. So, Well, sometimes the best bill is one that never passes. But what I really like to do is is to help, uh, whether it's a constituent with just an issue with Department of State Government or if it's someone like yourself that's a county commissioner or a county mayor, city mayor that has an issue that uh, that I can assist with, and I enjoy that more than probably doing the legislative part. Well, and you were one of the few legislators that gave me their actual cell phone number. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, I've got to go through an assistant or an employee to talk to somebody. So, thank you. No, I'm not going to give that out, but uh, I do appreciate that access. And I, again, I don't call you unless I know I, I need something. So 
you, you're, you're going into a special session, you think. You finished this last session in April, uh, and y'all y'all worked hard. I mean, I don't know how many bills actually were passed this time or introduced and passed, but I know that you've got some highlights and some things that's happened, and I, I'd, I'd love for you to cover as much as you can on that because sure. you're a big part of what's what's happened this last uh, session. So we passed a uh, $56 billion budget, believe it or not. I mean, that's uh, unbelievable how much our state budget um, – has grown to, and a lot of that is is pure revenue that's coming into the state. I mean, when you're a state that uh, is a tourist destination, uh, then we generate a lot of revenue. And so uh, that's been certainly uh, one area that we've seen a lot of growth. But, you know, also, I want to point out, since 2011, we have cut $2 billion in taxes on on Tennesseans, there's, uh, you know, there's no haul income tax anymore. Uh, we have cut the uh, franchise and excise tax this year. We've also given a cut to business tax uh, formulas, and we've taken out the death and the inheritance tax. And so that $2 billion that, that I referenced does not include a $407 million tax cut that we gave this year. That $2 billion is money that's um, uh, that's that was recurring and this year we've cut an additional 407 million dollars in uh, non-recurring money that we've given back to Tennessee and so we continue to always give back because we're in such good financial condition school safety we were di- we were talking about school safety before there was ever a covenant shooting that took place. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had appropriated uh, $223 million to, to make sure that every school in the state had an SRO. We expanded that to private schools, so now we're providing uh, grant money for SROs even into private schools and, and enhancements to those uh, schools as far as their security system. So there's a lot of those things that you know never really get talked about. The $3.3 billion that we're putting into transportation and infrastructure – and being as a uh, as a county commissioner, three hundred million of that three point three billion dollars is going to your local governments, your county governments, your city governments. Putnam County is receiving three point four million dollars for their for their road fund. That's probably larger than their than their regular annual <laughs> annual budget. It's close, yeah. And so, I mean, you know, there's just so many good things that uh, that we're doing in the state, and many times. It gets overshadowed by by things that that uh, that happen, and of course the news media feeds more on negativity than they do on the positive things. But you know those are just a few of the the um, uh, highlights that we we did this year as far as uh, you know in our legislate uh, legislative session. One other thing uh, I want to talk about is the uh, ten care block grant, uh, the ten care the Medicaid program. Um, if you remember a few years ago, whenever I was. Uh, on one of your shows, I talked about carrying the legislation, moving our, our 10 care program over to a block grant system. I carried the legislation on that. It passed. It went to Washington uh, on uh, Donald Trump, uh, President Donald Trump's last days of office. He signed it into uh, into existence. We thought that maybe the Biden administration, when they come in, would uh, veto it, but they didn't, and we allowed it to. Uh, they allowed it to go forward, and so we've been operating our ten care program under this block grant system. And the premise behind it was is that we would save the federal government money. Now we're probably one of the only states in the nation trying to save the federal government <laughs> right. money, but. In that, we would get the shared savings to come back to us. So the federal government would get savings, and then we would get savings. 
this year, uh, uh, Governor Lee announced that we had $330 million in shared savings that was coming back to us, the state. Wow. And so, and by taking that $330 million, we used $110 million to go to rural hospitals. That's that's amazing. And I, when we come back after the break, I want to talk about that part of it, the rural hospitals, because we just had Jimmy Johnson on last week about his, and then the other money, what what's that going to? This has been Rogers and Local Matters. I have Senator Paul Bailey here with me. We'll be back after the break. What's so important about shopping with locally owned businesses? When you shop local, your hard-earned dollars stay here in the community, helping to benefit your friends and neighbors, local schools, roads, and all aspects of community life. But what happens to my money if I spend it online or at a national chain store? In most cases, the profits go far away, out of state, corporate headquarters, or even overseas. It doesn't take any extra effort to shop local. Office Mart on South Jefferson and Cookville is your locally owned office furniture and supply store. For over 35 years, they've been proud to serve businesses in the Upper Cumberland with quality and value. You get real customer service, too, and Unlike shopping online, you can actually see and try out the large inventory of office furniture in their showroom. And when it's delivered, it's not a box on your step. They're glad to install and set up everything. Office Mart. There's no other locally owned office store in the region. South Jefferson Avenue across from Hardy's. Shop local at Office Mart. Welcome back to Local Matters. Ben Rogers here with Senator Paul Bailey. Uh, again, having him on. I try to have him on a couple times. Paul, it's always good to hear from you. You've got the knowledge at the state, and that's what uh, I, I love to hear about and talk about it. So the work never stops, right? It never stops. I, I'm curious to ask you, uh, this past session, I, I think I ask you this all the time when we when you come in, but the past few months, what's been the most common phone call you've gotten from constituents the, as far as the topic goes? Can you pinpoint one Sure, topic? absolutely. People are, are concerned that the legislature is going to infringe upon their Second Amendment rights. And so it's do not pass a red flag law, do not pass a, uh, an ERPO, as they're called, uh, do not infringe upon my Second Amendment. If I've received one phone call and one email, it's been hundreds of phone calls and hundreds of emails that have not only come into my Senate office, but have also come into my personal cell phone and emails as well as my Senate email. Some of the highlights of session that you were just discussing, one of those things was the 10-care the block grant that you uh, filed a few years ago. You said those savings are coming back finally to the state of Tennessee, uh, and we're actually saving the federal government. $110 million you just mentioned are going to rural hospitals, and we know that in this area, in Upper Cumberland, we've had a couple close down. Correct. And so hopefully that money will help these rural areas, you know, get an, uh, at least have access to hospital or, or make it uh, more, I should say, accessible for the citizens to have health care and something close by for hospital and care. A- absolutely. I think that for communities uh, to uh, thrive and survive, we have to have uh, the citizens have to have access to health care. And, of course, you know, to some degree, we also have to make sure that health care or uh, it's it's a it's a uh, private organization. And um, and although federal government, state government has a big hand in the way that health care is is administered, but at the same time, they're there to make money. And so we realize that our rural hospitals suffer a lot. And so, again, that's one of the reasons that we put this hundred and ten million dollars It'll be for grant programs that that these rural hospitals will be able to apply for 
and uh, receive funding to to help them with their operations. Another uh, aspect of what we're also doing with some of that shared savings is we're providing uh, dental health care for uh, adults. You know, under the Cover Kids program, we um, take care of dental health for for children, but uh, this time we've expanded it to adults. People don't realize that, you know, having bad um, uh, dental uh, hygiene uh, also causes a lot more problems within your body. And so if we we felt like that that's one area you take care of the uh, dental issues, the dental hygiene issues, then then there's not as many other health issues that can develop in a person's body. And then also we're providing 12 months of postpartum care for for women that uh, that have had children that are currently on ten care and and along with that we're also creating a voucher program for them to be able to provide diapers uh, over an extended period of time for for their uh, children and their newborns. So we promised whenever we passed the block grant system that if you would allow us, the state, the 10 Care Bureau, to to administer the program, that number one, we would be able to do, um, we'd be able to save the federal government and the state a lot of money. And secondly, we'd be able to cover additional populations because we were moving a lot of that red tape out of the way. Yeah, you're, you you created some savings that you're putting back into the where the savings came from health care and you're putting it back into health care in, in communities and i think that's great um because 10 care is one of the i don't know what the, even the cost is for the state well it's it, i mentioned earlier we've got a 56 billion dollar budget it's one third of our entire entire yeah. state budget that's what i feel i mean that's yeah. that's a lot right yeah. i mean it, it was the largest piece of legislation that i've ever carried it's a multi-billion dollar at that time, it was about eleven or twelve billion dollar piece of wow. legislation that I carried. Wow! So and and then that's it's worked out positive. I, I, it, it never ceases to amaze me. Our economy has been doing well in Tennessee. It's still doing well, even though that inflation is up. Right? We know inflation has been up for probably I guess the last six, eight months, twelve, ten months. I don't know. It's affecting local governments. It's affecting state government some. But we've maintained people are still, uh, you know, they're still spending money. Yes. And the state's driven off sales tax and, and some other taxes, but not an income tax. We've talked about that. But we're still healthy, and y'all still keep cutting. It's it just – I'm thankful yeah. you can. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's uh – it goes back to uh, Ronald Reagan that uh, used to say, "If you if you uh, if you cut taxes, you'll generate more revenue." And we've proven that. Yeah. I mean, we have proven that inside the state of Tennessee that you cut taxes, you cut red tape, you get government out of the way to where businesses can thrive, where people have additional money that they can reinvest. Uh, into their uh, businesses and and into their families, then your uh, economy grows, your state uh, revenue sources grow, and and we've certainly uh, been able to do that. And be- and because of that, and the additional revenues that we have, there's so many more things that we're able to do for uh, Tennesseans. One of those cuts uh, is the sales tax holiday. Sales tax holidays coming up uh, the next in August, uh, September, and October would be a three month holiday. And so, you know, those of you that that are out there, especially families, um, you know, you'll be able to take advantage of the. Uh, Grocery sales tax holiday every time you go to the grocery store uh, for three months. Yeah, and so, and we talk about all kinds of levels of government when you and I get together. But one of the misnomers for some of our newly elected officials that come in in September in county government, and I'm talking about mayors and commissioners, when they see the state doing a sales tax holiday, some of them have 
panicked and called and said, well, we're going, what are we going to do to replace that money? Right. What they don't understand is the process is that it's the money's still coming back to the counties, but it's coming back from the state. Exactly. It's not coming back from the, it's not coming from the consumer. You're still the state, the general assembly, you are still taking care of local governments. They're not punished for this holiday. You're just saving money for the consumer. Exactly. So, and, and to your point, when we do these sales tax holidays, the state is actually taking, um, money that's, uh, um, been accumulated and sharing it back to uh, the local government so that it's a hold harmless. So you're not um, you're not penalized for us giving citizens a tax break, and yet you're able to continue to to receive the same amount of revenue that uh, you would in any other month that's uh, actually collecting taxes. Well, I have, the reason I brought up I had a county commissioner from one of my counties call today and. They're looking at a tax increase. I'm not going to mention which county because I don't want that county to start getting a bunch of phone calls. Um, but they said, "When we got to, we got to take care of this. We got to increase taxes enough to take care of the sales tax holiday." And I had to explain it's, exactly. It's not going to affect the county government and the revenue. It's only affecting the consumer and the, and the state saving the consumer money because the state is healthy, fiscally healthy, with rainy day fund balances, with revenue generated. They're fiscally healthy where they can afford to do this. So. That's why I'm talking about it. I'm putting the info out there. Counties and cities are not going to miss out on revenue. It's the consumer that's going to save. Exactly. And so I want to get that out there and just, you know, there's a lot to, to t- discuss there. But, you know, now that we got that out there, and that's one of the reasons I have you here is you remind me to uh, talk about things like that. So we have the cuts. Uh, this is the, obviously the highest budget, I think, 56 50, largest Largest Tennessee budget ever. And so I don't imagine that's going to go down anytime soon, right? I mean, we still have inflation. Um, and again, we're thriving through inflation. Exactly. And and so I, I expect our um, budget to stay consistent around the uh, $55, $56 billion range over the next few years, unless there is a, a very um, large downturn in our nation's economy. Yeah. I think Tennessee is pretty resilient, and we may be more on the backside of a downturn than on the the front side of it, but uh, you know, I think we're I think we're going to continue to see our budget right where it's at. Well, and so I've got one more segment with you, uh, Paul, and and we'll be back just a moment after this break on Local Matters. This is Ben Rogers. We'll talk a little bit more about state government with Senator Paul Bailey. Welcome back to Local Matters, Ben Rogers with Senator Paul Bailey. He's uh, tries to come in twice a year with me and just update me on state government, and uh, always glad to have you in, Paul. So we've been talking state government, and we mentioned some about the sales tax holiday and a, a question I I got from a commissioner in my area about how that would impact local governments and it won't the state's still going to send the money to the to the, the county and city the consumers getting the savings and, and so speaking of county commissioners you know first time i ever had you on we talked about your your uh, tenure as a county commissioner in white county and so did you did you get calls how, i mean from your constituents i get calls as a county commissioner in west putnam county and about all kinds of things. It could be something the states decide to do. It could be something with roads. And I did get a call about you. We mentioned all that money coming in for roads. And hey, y'all gonna fix this road down here? And you know, and well, we'll just have to see what the highway superintendent wants. Did you get calls like that as a commissioner? Sure. And I, I think uh, one thing that uh, people don't always understand is about how your roads are funded. Your county roads are funded. Uh, their their tax dollars, their property tax dollars, do not go to fund roads unless a county decides that they want to appropriate a certain amount of money to go into the road fund for, say, a special project that, you know, the state's 
uh, has a formula that every county receives, every local uh, city government receives back through that formula. That way the money is shared equally throughout uh, the state relative to the size of the county and the population. So you always, you know, people would say, hey, my property taxes are, I'm paying property tax, but yet I'm not getting my road fixed. Well, there's, you know, you always have to go through the explanation on that. But one thing that I would say about being a county commissioner, you know, whenever I'm uh, I started attending county commission meetings a couple of years before I ever ran for the county commission because I wanted to know how my county government uh, operated, how it worked. And just by being able to attend those meetings, I understood the operation of of the county, uh, the role of the county commission. And I think there's many times county commissioners run for those positions. They think they're going to go in and be able to cut uh taxes, they think they're going to be able to cut budgets, and they don't know that there's a state law out there uh, relative to maintenance of effort, which basically means if you've given a road department or if you've given a road department or you've given a, a, a schools uh, X number of dollars, you have to fund that at that same level the next year. And they they just think that they can go in and cut and they think they can cut uh, county employees' salaries and so forth. And there's just a lot of misinformation out there. And if you start attending those meetings, you'll understand that. And then, of course, the state, you know, just a few years ago, we passed some legislation that requires uh, county commissioners that they're supposed to be able to attend one of the CTAS meetings to uh, make sure that they understand how state or how county and local government works. Uh, And many times those county commissioners don't attend those meetings and so I think that it's very important that they uh, try to uh, attend those meetings to get as much knowledge and information as they can. I think it would certainly cut out on uh, misinformation that they have themselves as a county commissioner when they walk into a county commission meeting. Yeah, and, and you know me. I, we've known each other for several years now, and, of course, especially since I've been a commissioner, we've probably talked a lot more. But my role at CTAS and my role as a county commissioner, I, you know, I, I try to use them as a benefit and, and not a something negative for serving counties and serving my own as a commissioner. I'm very passionate about training, mm-hmm. very passionate about commissioners having knowledge. I want the commissioners on the Putnam County uh, legislative body and all the other counties around me to have as much knowledge as I have. Now I do this every day for a living and I understand that's hard, but I want to share the knowledge. I want, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. Right. I want everybody to understand how county government works and, and, and exactly what the, you was talking about the highway department. There are so many laws with the highway department and county government that I guess you could say protects them one way where, you know, the county can't just go steal money out of the general f- or out of the fund balance of the highway department because they're operating well and take it. That's their money under the, the county uniform highway law. And there's right. so many things that commissioners may not understand. So you mentioned commissioners. Uh, some people were sometimes run, or, you know, I'm not going to raise taxes. I'm going to cut taxes. Then they get elected right. and realize they can't. Right. right. Well, the, some of them will say, well, the school's got all this money. If I get elected, I'm going to take money from the schools and can't get it to do the that. county. You can't. And so that Train, that's one of the reasons y'all passed the training requirement, and, and it's kind of broad in scope what the training is, and I'm actually working on specific classes for county commissioners for them to attend to give them, to empower them with the knowledge to help their communities thrive. Right. And you're a, a senator, and I'm a, a, a county commissioner, and the reason we're here is to help the quality of life for Tennesseans. Right. And so the knowledge, our knowledge will help make that happen. There's nothing wrong with somebody being informed. Right. And so 
I ask you about being a commissioner because I know, and early on in my career when you were a commissioner, you attended some of our trainings, and I mean, you thought that was beneficial, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, any time that you can attend a class and understand how uh, local government is supposed to work and the role that it plays and how revenue comes back from the state to the local government. Um, I mentioned maintenance of effort a few minutes ago. Uh, many times people get elected as a county commissioner. They do not understand what maintenance of effort is, and they don't know that they can't go in and and uh, and, and cut uh, an elected official's pay. I mean, elected official's pay is, is set by state mm-hmm. law, right? Yep, that's right. And so they don't understand that you can't do those type things. And so anytime that they can further their education, and if you truly want to be a good servant of, of the people – you would go and and try to gain as much knowledge at one of these uh, conferences as possible. Yeah, and I think, um, and I'll have I have other people on that they're always talking and advocating for those trainings for officials to go and not only learn but network with each other because they learn from each other. Right. I, the, the, when I have mayors in here, they talk about how much they've learned from other counties. But I'll say this: county government doesn't work without state government. And we don't, we're not as effective as, as we are without the help from the General Assembly. Y'all have set county government up, especially the last few years, I guess probably since you've been in the legislature, where if y'all have had money, y'all have passed it down. Right. And we these have. commissioners are thankful, but they may not understand fully what they can do with it. But we inform them of what what services are needed, and hopefully they can use that. But, I, you know, I'm grateful for the ability to work with the legislature and our counties to do that. And it's, I hope it continues that way, but even our county commissioners don't understand what you do sometimes, right? right? right. They right. just know you're a state Senator, but they really may not understand what role you play, especially with working with local governments. Cause you're there to help local governments too. Right. Absolutely. You know, uh, and of course many times people don't realize that local governments are created by the legislature. Right. I mean, they, uh, the Tennessee General Assembly has created the counties. They've created the, the city governments and so forth and so on. And so, um, but at the same time, uh, you know, we want to make sure that those city governments, those county governments are operating uh, efficiently and that they're operating uh, within state law. And, of course, that's one of the reasons that uh, I think Tennessee, with uh, with their comptroller coming in and doing the audits in the various um, departments of, of county government, city government, making sure that uh, taxpayer money is being spent uh, in the way it's supposed to be and that uh, there's no uh, nefarious actions taking place in those offices. So I got a stat for you, um, and you probably know this, but I, I, I discovered this through my research on my master's program. The close of fiscal year 2022, which was June of last year for counties, there were only 10 counties in the state that had less than 20% of their expenditures in fund balance. So basically, if a county's budget's $10 million, they had at least $2 million in savings. Right. And there's only 10 counties that were below that. And I was I was kind of surprised because right. now I think that's a good thing. Now, there could be some counties where they're not spending money and providing services because you know, they're afraid something's going to happen. And they should be providing services, but I was I was taken aback by the amount of fiscal health our counties are in, which helps the state's fiscal right. uh, health, and it helps your bond your bond rating. State's got the best bond rating they can have. Oh yeah, AAA. And, AAA it, and if, and if it wasn't for counties doing what they do, I think maybe you might not have AAA. But most of our counties are pretty healthy. Well, and and by us having a AAA bond rating, it goes back to those local governments. If they need to borrow money to build a school, or if they need to. 
expand a sewer plant or they need to install water lines or whatever need that a, that a local government has because the state is uh, has a AAA bond rating, it benefits those local governments because they can actually borrow money at a lower rate mm-hmm. uh, because of our state's credit rating. And we, I think, I guess we we do. The state does have some debt, but when it comes to roads, they pay cash. No, for the no w- well, let me let me say this: we are a, a debt free state. Now, when uh, it, it's, it's it's kind of an interesting situation. We have to issue bonds every year mostly within uh, Department of Transportation because we have to – we're basically funding stuff into the future. Right. So we have to do bonds. Now, ultimately what we do, we issue those bonds, and then they're pretty much immediately paid off. Right. And so the state is uh, is debt-free uh, in regards to that. Whenever I came into the legislature, I think the state owed uh, like a couple of billion dollars, and now we're like – totally debt-free yeah and i think that speaks volumes of the leadership that you all have had um so what's uh, anything you see coming up and we just got a, about a minute left anything particular you're going to focus on this next session you're still working through some stuff uh come january you just i know i know y'all meet and talk and have committees or anything big coming up that you know of right well, now i or? think the main the main focus is just purely been on whether or not Governor Lee calls this special session okay. and that everything that we've been discussions uh, have just been relative to that and that in the event that a special session doesn't happen, then that would be the focus as we went in in January. But as far as uh, moving forward past, uh, say, an August special session, it's been there's not been a lot of discussion just yet on that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming in. You uh, bet. You, Glad to. You bring great knowledge, and, and I want to have you back on probably in the fall after <laughs> if, if y'all do have a special session to update us on that. And just talking government with you, we're nerds, right? We, right, we own right, it. Right. Uh, and, but just talking government with you, state and local government, uh, helps me, and it, it, it just it actually makes me happy. I like talking government with, with people that care about it. So you bet. I appreciate you being here. Hope everything's going. Uh, horses doing great. Horses are doing wonderful, and, and uh, you know, gotten healed up, and I've been doing some riding and showing. And Oh, and hey, Ben, one last thing. Sure. Just just had a new granddaughter born last Friday. Congratulations. And thank you. So um, that's the second one. Got, <laughs> got, got a little... I, I was too young to have a grandson, but now I've gotten finally old enough to have a granddaughter. <laughs> well, they're spoiled, but they, they got good grandparents. So thanks, thanks again for being here. If you need anything from me, let me know. Thank you. Folks, I hope you enjoyed this show. Senator Paul Bailey here on Local Matters with Ben Rogers. Remember, it's a lot easier to smile. It is a frown. Make somebody's day. Thanks to my producer, Jake, and we'll see you next week.